Today going to be good. I need you to talk back to me today. Come on, somebody, one of you is ready. I'm super excited. Todd's excited, and maybe some of the rest of you can catch up with Todd and I and be excited. This is week seven of Upside Down, and today's, I believe, may be the most practical up to this point. If y'all don't know what practical is, we got handles. We're going to be able to take it home. We're going to have fun as well. But before I get there, I need y'all to buckle up. It's clickety-clackety because <laughs> I'm going to come at you. I'm going to get in your grits, if you know what I'm talking about a little bit. I'm going to invite myself into your home, and if you don't let me in, it's going to be by blunt force trauma that I come in. But I'm coming in. But, but I'm not talking about you. I need you to know that I'm just giving you me today. I'm opening my heart up a little bit more even than I normally do, and I'm pretty open always, but I'm just going to be real with you. When I first got saved, meaning I trusted Jesus as my Savior, I gave him my life. If you don't know what that is, praise God that you're here, and at the end, you're going to get saved with us, and we're going to be excited. But when I first got saved, I started hearing, you're supposed to be free. Matter of fact, we quote verses like, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And I was like, yeah. Yes. And I was a teenager. Where you at? I love you. The wave starts in the student section. And I was excited because I was a teenager and I knew Jesus and I had freedom in Jesus. And so that means my chains are gone. I've been set free. I get to do whatever I see. Come on, somebody. It came, then it left, let's go. So, so my thought was, well, all the rules get to go away because I'm in Jesus. It's okay if you never thought this, you just ain't rebellious, okay? But for all my rebellious people in the room, amen in Jesus' name. And I just started thinking, why do they have so many rules when we get to be free in Jesus? Because freedom in my mindset, now listen to me carefully, because I'm American, in my mindset, freedom is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In my mindset, it is I have the First Amendment right to say whatever I want. I have free, what's the First Amendment? Please know this speech. It rhymes with speech. <laughs> Some of y'all still didn't get it. I'm like, <laughs> and so, so I, I automatically think of Ricky Bobby on Talladega Nights. I can say whatever I want. Sure as heck can. I said what I'll do respect, right? That, it, autom- it comes to my mind because I just think I can say what I want. I can do what I want because I got Jesus. Yes, I do. I got Jesus. How about you? Right, And, and that's, that is how Christianity felt to me for years because my freedom was, say it, upside down. Because we are supposed to operate in freedom, but I believe the enemy has twisted it where we're either psychotically on one side where we look at all the rules and we say, you messed up, 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 and we got our rule books out. And we're like, oh. Mask, no mask. One of y'all messing up, right? Mask, 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 duck, duck, goose, rule, 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 right? And it's, all, it's so legalistic that you feel like you can't even breathe. <gasps> I breathed wrong. I was supposed to breathe through my nose and out my mouth, not the other way around. <laughs> Jesus mad at me. If you know what I'm talking about, say yes. yes. Thank you, Jesus. We grew up in church. And then you got the opposite. That was me. Because when I started figuring out, I was like, oh, look at There's a license to party in Jesus, Right? It's okay that you don't say amen to that because that's admission of guilt. (laughs) But we know somewhere in the middle, 
on one side or the other, bouncing back and forth. It's like the pendulum swings, bing, bong, bing, bong, and I get convicted, and then I'm legalistic again, and then I'm back. And it's like, what is this? And if you've never felt this way, I'm pretty sure you're not saved. Because it's real. Because we're either psychotically one side, psychotically another, or we fall off because we operate in freedom. And then we fall off the wagon is what we call it. We sow our wild oats is what we like to say, right? (laughs) That ain't really a thing, but we'll just keep going. But somewhere is God in all of this. So this is the goal today. The goal today is that we leave and begin to understand how we operate in freedom. Because we can take you through our curriculum, that's our freedom stuff, and I think it's awesome. But what I found is at the back end of it, people get more religious and less free. Because they begin to get puffed up in their own understanding rather than walk in the freedom that God intended them for. So whether you pray in the Spirit or not, do you hear what I'm saying? Whether you have all understanding, whether you can tell me the books of the Bible in order, tell me where everything is, and have studied the Bible for 25 hours this week or more, or you haven't opened it. God's plan for you hasn't been changed as a result of how good you've done or the bad you've done. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. So today we're going to leave and we're going to understand. Everybody say the word. Say it loud and proud. And when the sun sets us free, we'll be free indeed. In 2001, which was 2000 and fun, you're welcome. We got married, this beautiful, attractively amazing awesomeness on the front row named Leah Fox said yes to Mark Pangle. And in August of 2001, we got married. Now, we bought a house that had been updated never. (laughs) And it was built in 1951, and the original owners lived there until they were 115 I'm exaggerating just a little bit, but I'm being for real. That was pretty old. And then it sat empty for a couple years. We had very close friends who lived in the neighborhood, one of which is in the room. And I'm not going to tell you where he's sitting, but it's the back row. (laughs) Somebody like, who is it? And he said, there's a house for sale, and we can get it for a good price. And it was a 1951 house. We got it, and we did a little bit of fixing up, but we pretty much kept it like it was. It was an old house. Now, if if you know old homes... How many of y'all know what on my screen that is? Say it if you know it. Baseboard. Baseboard heater. So we had central air, and the air was great. But in the wintertime, when we ran the baseboard heater, who's ever had a baseboard heater? Who's used one? Dry. I'm talking about your lips crack, and even white people get ashy. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I was ashy every day. I mean, it's it's so dry. You walk through the house, you hear cracks. It's dry. And when it turned on, it would go, it start working. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of you that had it. If you don't, praise God, you ain't poor. Here we go. (laughs) But we used it, and it heated the house. And then it was either cold or it got hot up in that mug. But it, it worked, praise God. I need you to know what it is. Because this... This particular looking one, this is not the exact one, but it looks almost identical. We had an entertainment center that was, it was about from me to the end of the TV, and it was about 10 feet tall because we, you, we used to put everything in them things. Y'all remember? 
We had the big tube TV. Some of y'all young people, you don't even know what I'm talking about, but we had tube TVs back in the day. They had a big back to them. Yeah, it was great. In the old school, we used to turn the channel like this, click, clack, 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 just like we did the phone that we had at our house. We'll talk about it later. But we had, we had a, a, a green couch that the first time I stepped in Leah's parents' house, we had that couch, and we had it until two years ago because it was nice. It was pleather. And it was just me, Leah, the dog, and the couch with our entertainment center TV. And this is the other thing. This has nothing to do with the message. I just like telling details of stories, so y'all just go with it. If you, if you got married young and you were poor, we also had different things we ate different nights of the week. And Monday was Silver Bay Monday because they had the two ninety nine dollars fish. <laughs> Won't he do it? So it was us and the old people. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And we was enjoying our scrimps, having a big time. And every Monday we would get home and 24 would be on. The following takes place between 5 p.m. and 6 p.m. Scoop, scoop, scoop. Y'all remember it? We loved it. Because we didn't have no cable. Listen, rich people. We didn't have no satellites. We had an antenna. And we got the Channel 21, so we watched us some Jack Bauer. If y'all don't know about Jack Bauer, you need to know, because he's the man. That cat has saved the world all the time, but it was only in one day. Joe couldn't get to the next day. And so I remember this one Monday night. We got home from Silver Bay doing our thing. Jack Bauer's on. And our baseboard heater was just a-working. And next thing I know, my beautiful wife, who was on the front row, who was, had not been married long to me, looks over at me and goes, oh, there's a mouse on the baseboard heater. And it was just sitting up like this. And it was just looking at us. And I'm going, what's he doing? Leah doesn't care what he's doing. Lee wants him out. So Ingalls was about just under a mile from our house. I drove to Ingalls, immediately came home. I can't DVR, so she had to catch me up on what happened in that 24 hour. I got back, and I did not have just two of these, but y'all tell me what this is. Sticky trap, mouse trap. I almost got my finger in it. That would have been bad if you don't know. It ain't, listen. I set these jokes down. I had eight of them. Listen, the whole thing was about from about the length of this. And I had, I had them on the end, and then I set them in front, and I was like, we're going to put peanut butter and cheese because they like one of them. <laughs> right? And so my thought was, we'll go to bed. See? We'll go to bed, and then I'll wake up in the morning, and I'll see old dude Mickey's laying there dead, right? <laughs> no. Quote, unquote, we're going to sit there. Until he comes home, I said, he's not going to do that while we're watching. I said these exact words. They ain't stupid. <laughs> they are stupid. I promise this is a true story. I'm watching him. And, he, and, he, and he's just standing there doing his thing, right? And he's squatted down on the baseboard and he's looking. I have literally, with him behind the TV, still on, I can see him. I'm putting these things down, I'm watching him. Put it down. There's no way, Leah. He's not getting on it. Put it down. Put it down. And then I watch him do this. Ding, 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 right on the top. And he leans down. And he's watching us. 
it's like slow motion, like a car wreck. The thing's laying like this, and he plops down on it. If y'all have never seen a mouse jump on one of them things, I'm not talking about a mouse caught, because most of us have seen a mouse caught probably. Have y'all seen a mouse caught on these things? It's violent. But if you've never seen them first jump on it, it don't know it's caught because it's doing its thing, working that peanut butter and cheese. And then next thing you know, he's like, I've enjoyed my snack. I'm finna get off. And carnage ensues. Listen, it is unbelievable. I mean, everything's shaking. If y'all ain't seen it, the trap will start moving. This thing's this big, and it'll move this thing. And it's like, look, that's insane. And it goes crazy. It goes absolutely crazy. I don't know how many times I've had the thought, how stupid is that mouse? There's no way if it knows that a trap's there. Like, we're not, did he think? Mark and Lee are just stupid. They're going to just offer me snacks. I'm their new pet. <laughs> There's no way while we're watching they're going to do it. And yet, I wonder in our lives how many days we do the exact same thing. The exact same thing. Look at this. Sticky traps are so debilitating. I can't get that word. I should have not put that one. Debilitating. To the mouse that they actually will eat their limbs off to try to get free. Now listen, I need you to get, I don't want you to get the gross stuff. I don't have a picture of that. But in your mind, listen to me for real. In your mind, I need you to understand that this is us. This is us. And while that seems crazy that they would gnaw off their own arms and limbs and eventually kill themselves in order to try to get free. We have such an innate desire in us to want to not be trapped and stuck that we'll do damage to ourselves psychologically and metaphorically most of the time in order to try to feel free. If you've ever wondered why we drink ourselves to death or drink ourselves to a state, it's not because you woke up one day and said, I'm going to drink and drink and drink, and then I'm just going to be an alcoholic. And I do believe alcoholism can run in families. I don't want you to be misunderstood. But I also believe that a lot of times it's because you're trapped and you want to feel better. And we, we gnaw our limbs off. We gnaw our purpose off. We gnaw things off, and we don't know why we feel so stuck. But it's because we have a desire to walk in freedom to be free. I just want you to see this in Matthew 16. It's so fascinating to me. A little backstory. Jesus has taken his disciples up to this northern, almost the northernmost point of Israel. It's actually in this section. It is the northernmost point. And a couple of y'all in the room have been with me. This is the gates of hell. And, and all the, this, this sacrifice has taken place and it's the most pagan place in the whole nation. And Jesus takes his disciples here. And on the way, this is what he says. Who, who do people say that I am? And they say, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others say a prophet. And Then he says, well, that's fine. Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus' response in Matthew 16 right before this is, flesh and blood didn't tell you that. You could only know that by spirit. That's a revelation. And on that revelation, on this rock, and he points at the gates of hell. I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not. 
prevail against it. He changed his name. Listen, he changed his name. You're no longer a fisherman, Simon. You're now Peter, which means little rock, Petros. And you're like me, and on that rock, the next scene. I'm talking about like, let's pack up and let's take the two-day journey back home. Next scene, this is the conversation. Is this Jesus? The verse and verse, two verses before this, they leave that scene. Jesus says, I just want y'all to know on the journey home, I'm going to die. It's not the first time he had said it. I'm going to die, but I'll rise again. And Peter, because now he's, he's, he's made it. There's a lot of us, right? We start feeling good because we've done something for Jesus, and all of a sudden we, <laughs> we do what Peter did here. Hilarious. Peter took Jesus aside privately, and then he reprimanded Jesus. <laughs> That's God, by the way. I just want everybody to understand. You can't reprimand God. Instead of I would have done it. That's why I'm laughing. It says he did it over and over. He didn't just say Jesus, that's probably not right. He kept doing it. How many of y'all know that we do things every day that we think is right in our own minds, but it's actually stupid? I'm just preaching a little bit. Y'all can go with it if you want. And he said to him, God forbid, Master. You can hear him. He's so kind in his tone. Spare yourself. I'm Petros. Do you remember? You must never let this happen to you. Now, if you, if you believe forgiveness, look this way. If you believe forgiveness and kindness like I used to, then you think Jesus' response is, thank you, I have to agree with everything you say because I'm a loving, kind Jesus. No, savage. Someone say savage. Savage Jesus looks at Peter and says, get away from me, Satan. <laughs> Called him Satan. <laughs> you are a dangerous trap. In the Greek, it's the word scandalon. Scandalon, which is where we get the English word scandal from. And you know how much we love to talk about when people fall into scandals? We fail to realize that that's no different than what's happening to Peter right now, that they saw the bait, it looked good. And a lot of times, it's not even that they thought it was wrong, they just thought it looked good. And they jump on it, and they're caught. He said, you're seeing things merely from a human point of view, which is the entirety of the series, by the way. We have to see it God's way, not our way. And so basically everything we do in our lives, even though we have good intentions, direction, not intention, determines destination. It does not matter what you meant to do. It matters what you do. It matters what I do. And he says, you got to see it from God's point of view. So look, the word scandalin, which in that context, it means a trap. But there's all different places in the Bible that this, in the New Testament, this is used. And it's fascinating because if you read something, you'll see, you'll see verses that talk about temptation. And I'm going to show you in just a second and you think, well, that's different than what we just read. But it's not. It's the same exact thing. It is a sticky trap. It's a dangerous trap. It literally means offense. How many of y'all know when someone says something to you, it happened this week, and you overhear it? You ain't even sure what they said, but you're pretty sure they said something about you. It, it captures you. Let someone say something on the social medias. Huh? Let someone talk junk about you on the Facebook, and you will lose your mind. Why? It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a temptation. It's the bait. And what is amazing about this is what happens to us when we take it. Because we will do all the damage we could even ever think of, gnawing our arms and limbs off metaphorically, if we just take the bait. Satan does not care if you're dead. 
He cares if you're trapped. And as long as you're trapped, he knows you'll do the work yourself. Because offense starts with my head. The first time I see it, the first time I might want it, it starts in my head. Which is why the Bible says we take every thought captive and make it obey. That does not mean that, that every time we think something captive, captive, we don't have to be weird. All right? Are y'all with me? We don't have to think weird all the time, captive, captive. We have to be aware enough to go, I'm on this I'm on this thing and I'm looking and the devil's sitting on his couch and he's laughing at me going, there's no way he's that stupid and I jump on it myself. We just have to have enough awareness to go, what I just heard was an opportunity for me to be offended. What just happened to me was an opportunity for me offended. If I'm too immature in my faith, I will bounce and pounce on the trap, watch and get mad at the person that said it. We cannot use the excuse the devil made me do it. Does he lay the trap? Absolutely. Do we lay traps for each other all the time? I'm going to tell you in just a second why that's true. But we jump on them, not anybody else. And the problem with it going from our head to our heart is what Proverbs says, that a brother who's offended, and that does not mean has dropped into an offense, but has remained offended, a brother offended, it says it's more unyielding than a strong city. And and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. Now listen. If y'all have ever watched the old movies like King Arthur Time, like I love Lord of the Rings. If you've ever watched those movies and you see the castles or like Helm's Deep in the second movie that's this unpenetrable, excuse me, place that you can't get through, the Bible says that's your heart when you're offended. It's impossible to have good friendships. It's impossible to have good relationships. In marriage when this takes place, listen to me, mail it in. I can preach to the cows come home. The Holy Spirit can move on your life. But if your heart is unyielding, if it's become hardened because you've been trapped, say, Mark, how do I know if that's happened? If every time you fight, you bring something up from five years ago, you're a fortified city. Your heart is trapped. And you're playing for keeps because you're saying, I'm not going to do what the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is not quick to take offense. I'm going to be quick to take offense or I'm just going to remain offended Because of what you did to me. Now, listen. If any of you can say you have not been offended, I'm not going back far. Y'all just stay with me. In the last few months, then I need to saint you. Because you're way farther along than me. I've just had enough awareness to go, look what you're doing, Mark. You're starting to gnaw your own arm off off of something silly that was said that they might not even have meant that. And then I start trying to medicate myself. And I personally might do it different than you would. But it's just taking God out of the equation. I don't need you to get real deep and philosophical and think it's always this or it's always that. It's always anything but God. Because in my prayers, the only thing that I find myself doing when I'm in this position is just asking God to get me out of my misery, which is not what prayer is intended for. And so this is the fascinating thing to me. And I'm just giving you the truth, and I hope you can receive it. Oftentimes, our prayer time is filled with sin. Because sin is not just bad things we do. Sin is any time I take God off the throne. I've missed the mark. And so if I'm just asking God for stuff or to make me feel better or to whatever, and I'm not saying we should not cast our cares on Jesus, that is absolutely what we're supposed to do. But ask yourself, why am I asking for that? Is it so I feel better? Or is it so I'm truly free so his light can shine? 
Because if I'm unyielding, then listen, what am I yielding to? If I'm unyielding, then what have I yielded to? Because that's the trap. Ultimately, if he can just get you to take your eyes off Jesus, he's got you. As a matter of fact, I think this is maybe the most fascinating. To me, this is the most eye-opening thing in the entire message. And it may not be for you, but for me it was. Because I realized what the intent of Satan's traps are. Because the word scandaling comes from the Greek word kampto. It comes, it, it's rooted in this word. And this word is where we get true reverence of worship. It means to bow in reverence. So watch. Anytime, anytime, anytime. The problem with the enemy that we, that we fight against, we don't, God doesn't have to fight against him. He's already won. But our battle's not flesh and blood. It's principalities in darkness. So listen, the problem is oftentimes the bait that sits before us isn't bad. It's good or godly that's been twisted. Someone say twisted. Everything that I battle in my life is God's goodness that's been twisted. Sex is a gift from God in marriage. As soon as I do it outside of God's context, someone say twisted. That's what happens. And, there's, and the twist or the, or the change to it, the, the, the wrong way knows no bounds. So once I go down that rabbit hole, it has no bottom. That's why the same thing that you've done does not feel fulfilling forever. And you have to find more perversion because that's ultimately what his word is. Well, the same thing goes for anything else. I, I cannot tell you anything about drugs. By the grace of God, that's never been something I've struggled with or even tried. But I hear people say gateway drugs. And then other people say, I don't know if it's that bad. But here's what I know. It's a perversion. And so whether it is worse or isn't worse or all these other things, you're going to have to find the high that feels good enough so you'll keep going down that rabbit hole. That's what the trap's intended for. To get you to self-destruct. Because his point, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy, but he knows you'll destroy yourself if he can get you stuck. And that's the problem. Is I look and I scream, I'm free. What's wrong with you out there who don't know Jesus? And all the while I'm gnawing my limbs off going, what's wrong with me? So how many of y'all would agree with me? Come on, we can talk. I'd love to avoid the trap and be free. Come on, just say yes if that's you. So I'm going to give you four quick ways of how to avoid the trap. If you're taking notes, it's a good time to take them because we're going to have fun. Number one, forgive. Someone say forgive. Yeah. Forgive. Forgive. Here's what Jesus said in the model prayer or the Lord's prayer that we call it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done on earth that is, is in heaven. Forgive us our debts. Give us this day our daily bread. And then it says forgive us our debts as we've also Forgiven our debtors. In other words, I want you to forgive me the same way that I forgive other people. And then, if you read the Bible in Matthew 18, the disciples come up to Jesus, and the one that talks too much, I can relate. Peter says, hey, Jesus, I want to impress you for a second. So, so two chapters ago, you called me Peter, so now I'm going to be the man. Uh, so, so, so how many times should we forgive people? And in an in, in attempt to impress him, he says, what, seven times? And it's like he dropped the mic. You see, I done did it. Bam. And Jesus like, I, no, not seven times, 70 times seven. Say again. <laughs> 490 is my quick math, and I don't even know if I have that many forgives in me. And the point is, I, don't, I, I really believe the number is not the point. The point is keep on and keep on and keep on. Why? And you should read that passage because 
it's really awesome, the, the parable that Jesus gave but in Matthew 18. But listen, the point is, I oftentimes forgive people one time and feel good about myself only to walk out and be trapped in the same trap. Because a thought will come up about that person. A thought will come up about that thing. And I'll find myself working myself to death trying to get out of a trap that was set for me and I thought I was free because I forgave. Because here's the things that we know about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not saying what you did is okay. Forget, forgiveness is saying I'm not holding you in contempt so that I'm not in jail over it. But if I won't continue to do that and continue to do that, Mark, what, when, what about when they hurt us again? I'm not telling you it's a license to hurt you. I'm not saying you shouldn't operate in wisdom. I'm just saying you don't have to swallow the pill that becomes bitterness. How do I know if I've let this happen in my life? If, if every time something happens, you get angry and lash out, you've swallowed that pill. You're stuck on the trap. You're not forgiving. Forgiveness is a choice. Listen to me. You should not trust everybody. This is free. This is not part of the message. If you trust everybody, you are operating without God's wisdom. Choice is a process that we go through with our family and with our people. Excuse me, trust is a choice. Trust can be broken. Trust has to be built back. But forgiveness is your choice every single day. Trust is the process. And so you decide if that person should be trusted. Just because you're married does not mean you should trust them, but you should forgive them. And you should give the opportunity for the, build, for the bridge of trust to be built back every single day. And if you hold the thing they did five years ago against them, it's your fault. Because they got to quit paying for what you didn't have to keep paying for, which is sin. If Jesus forgives me once for all time, and we believe that is true because God said it, then I have to posture myself with the same attitude. Now, if you're like me, and you used to be Old Testament, come on somebody, eye for an eye, then just read the Bible in Matthew 5. It says, forgive even those that have hurt you, love your enemies. It says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So, so poor when you forgive and love people that have hurt you, it's like pouring heaping coals on their head. Listen, this is the challenge is if you're pouring hate instead of coals, if, you, if you're not loving them and forgiving them, then you've decided you will do a better job of being vengeful than God would loving you and, and you don't trust him. Because bitterness ultimately is believing that God got it wrong and I can do it better myself. And so you got to decide... Is that where I'm locked up and is that the trap that I've set? Because if you don't get that part, you won't walk in freedom. Number two, sorry, I'm skipping this. An offended heart is clear sign of unforgiveness. And this is a toughie, but y'all got to get it. It means I've actually come into agreement with Satan. And none of us, I don't think, in this room would ever say that we have. But without exception, all of us have done that. Number two is repeat repentance. Repeat, repent it. Someone say repeat. repeat. I always, <laughs> this is so ADD. I always think of Pete and repeat went on the bridge. Pete jumped off, who's left? Repeat, Pete and repeat. <laughs> That's how we should be with repentance. Do you hear me? Listen, listen, listen. Don't miss this. This whole series is about repent. Jesus came as soon as he was baptized. As soon as he was baptized, his message was repent, the kingdom is at hand. John the Baptist paved the way. His message was repent, the kingdom is at hand. That does not mean I'm sorry for my sin. That means I don't think your way. I don't think your way. What did, what did Jesus tell Peter, your Satan, get behind me? You think your way, you got to think my way. Repeat, repent. We must 
every day. Matter of fact, multiple times a day for Mark Pangle. I can't, I can't say what it's like to be you, but I can say what it's like to be me. I have to repeat repentance all the time. Because confession is I'm sorry. Repentance is I want to go to the top and think your way. It literally means changed having been with. This changes. He gives me a heart of flesh from this heart of stone. I'm changed when I'm with him. I'm not changed when I yell at. I'm not changed because I read my Bible and stay stuck. I'm changed when I humble myself, camp toe, and say, you're in charge. You're the boss. Change this guy. And then, I don't know about y'all, but in my mind, people will start coming up and I'll forgive them. And I'll text them things. And things will come up. And that's not oftentimes what happens, but very sometimes it certainly is. And I've just found the ones that keep popping up in offense, I should keep on forgiving and keep on forgiving. And I can't do that unless my heart repeats repentance every day. Here's what Jesus said in Luke 13. He says, no, I tell you, unless you, what's the word? Say it loud. One more time. Unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. And I think we think that just means hell, that we'll be separated from God for all of eternity. I believe it does. But I also believe it means you're stuck on a trap and you'll have to gnaw your way off every single day and you'll kill yourself. You won't have to let others, metaphorically, you'll kill yourself. You'll destroy yourself. Unless we repeat repentance, we'll chew our arms and limbs off. The next one is escape the trap. Our kids, leaders, some people, some of the team's going to do an escape room coming up. And some of y'all have done that before. And listen, an escape room is really cool. But I'm going to tell you who needs an escape room every day of their life. Look at me. This guy. Escape. Escape. You know what I used to think? 1 Corinthians 6 says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sin are outside the body. That one's against the body. Honor God with your body. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I thought that meant just run as fast as you can. Anybody else used to think that? It's the same Greek word. It means escape. It means escape. And so my fling isn't on my own. Listen, listen, listen. I, I, I battled this so bad in my life. This is why freedom was so hard. I thought, if I'm not going to fall on this trap, I got to run. God is not asking you to run. He's asking you to go with him. He'll lead you on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You're not doing this on your own. As a matter of fact, here's what, here's what Paul said to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians 10. Don't let anyone think that you can stand on your own. Like you ain't got it by yourself. He says, take heed lest you fall. Because no scandaling has overtaken us, me and you, that, that isn't common to man. In other words, a bunch of people have struggled like you're struggling. But he says God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with that scandaling, he will give you a way or provide you a way of, what's the word? Escape. Escape. There'll always be a vehicle. There'll always be a possibility to not pounce. But I have to repeat repentance and I have to constantly forgive. Or this is the crazy thing to me about Mark. Or I'll actually look for the sticky trap because I believe that's the only way I can feel right. I look for it because it makes me feel a little bit better because I'm not focused on that thing. I can at least get my mind off and I'll fall into another trap and another trap and another trap because I haven't repeated repentance. 
This does not mean you, you, God doesn't give you more than you can handle, period. It means God doesn't give you more than you can handle in Christ with him. Because he wants you to be able to endure it, which is another, uh, I almost put that as the E, to endure it, to show his glory. Some of y'all have been suffering deeply and wondering why am I falling in the, why is it so difficult? Why have these things happened to me? It's, it, and it's because according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, so, so that God is glorified. And so that glory can be on you. And he, and he intends to set you in those opportunities. The enemy wants you to fall, but God knows it's a way to strengthen you. James says that we should be joyful when we face trials and tribulations of any kind, knowing the testing of my faith produces perseverance. Scandaling. And the last one is engage in battle. Someone say engage. This isn't on your own either. But this has to happen. This has to happen. And I'm not talking about just getting a defensive posture because I believe this is going on the offensive. I believe that instead of being offended, I'm offensive. I'm going against the enemy by putting on the full armor of God. Look at this. Ephesians 6 says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his strength and might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand or stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and darkness and authorities against the cosmic powers of this present darkness. Remember last week's message? That's what we're fighting against. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So put on, take up. I don't know what I did, but we'll just try it again. Help me, Lord. So take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all, stand firm. And then it tells you what the full armor of God is. But y'all, all the stuff isn't defensive positions. There is a breastplate of righteousness and a helmet of salvation and the gospel shoes of, of peace. And, and so there's all these different places in the belt of truth, but then... There's a sword in the spirit. So, so when I'm battling and the trap's down and I'm wondering how to escape, I should use the word of God as a weapon against scandaling. I should proclaim the word of God every day. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. You've called me. You've said this. You've said this. You've said this. You've called my children this. You've, you've said that my children will be blessed. I don't care. Though, though a thousand may fall on my left and ten thousand on my right, I will not fall. And, I, and then it says pray constantly in the spirit. That's, the, that's like the bow at the back end. Having a constant attitude of prayer, what does that do? I repeat repentance. I constantly yield my heart to him. I don't, try to, I don't try to be in my own understanding or in my own way and just say, God, thank you for giving me freedom. Knuckles, thanks for the get out of hell free card. Let's do this thing. And the problem with this life is that we have to understand God's plan. Look at me. We have to understand that God's plan for us is to stick together and not be stuck alone. And most of us, failed to realize. I've had people tell me this, y'all, and it breaks my heart. Do you know, preacher, why I don't want to be saved? This is what they've told me. I don't want to be saved because the real party's in hell. I'm telling you, y'all have heard this, some of you. And here's what I'm telling you about that. Hell is eternal, eternal listen, eternal, forever, 
with no end, life sentence, with no opportunity for parole, in solitary confinement, stuck. The problem with hell, unlike this earth, is you have an eternal body that if you gnaw your arms and legs off, you'll have new ones. It says that it's where moth and rust destroy, but it can't destroy you. You'll always be there. The kingdom of darkness literally steps into darkness and has an eternal place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, but it's always dark and always hurting. And I believe it's because it's void altogether of the presence of God. And I've heard people say before, I've been through hell, and some of you have. Earthly speaking, some of you have, but here's the truth. It's the closest thing you can ever have to eternal hell is here and now. And look at me, and some of it's a hell of our own creation because we've taken the bait. And I'm not saying you won't suffer. Because if you read the Bible, there's a theme throughout that if you're going to be greatly used by God, there will be suffering involved. But take heart, he's overcome the world. And the thing that's got my heart so stirred, and he wouldn't leave me alone about this, is I just picture Leah and I on the couch. But instead of a crazy mouse looking at a trap, and we go, there's no way that they'll jump on that. It's us. It's not just you, it's me. Who constantly ask God to get us out of these situations but have not yielded and so instead of camp toe is scandaling and I'm stuck and I'm gnawing myself together not realizing that God's plan for the church is to understand that we are the body, someone say body body of Christ and if the whole body doesn't operate like it's supposed to it can't function and do what it's supposed to do that means if we have a preacher that knows the word and talks good but the body isn't functioning together it's pointless it's worthless God did not call preachers to be awesome and leave the body dead and if we don't understand that there won't be a day this week that every person that I come in contact with hasn't either either gotten themselves on a trap or been given every opportunity and they're on the ledge going it won't be that bad will it it won't be that bad I just want to just want to just just see and once it's stuck y'all it is so sticky and it grabs us in and it entangles us isn't it interesting that Hebrews said let us throw off the sin and things that entangle us trap us make us stick and look to Jesus The only hope that you have of not living a life where you constantly are angry and constantly bitter, even though you might have the understanding in your, in your mind of what freedom is, you don't get to operate that way unless you give God your heart every single day. That does not mean salvation. That means submission. My body was not intended. This life was not intended. My soul was not intended to operate alone. Autonomy is not the goal co-operation with the Holy Spirit me submitting, surrendering my heart every day and saying you're the boss is the only way off the trap it's the only way of escape it's the only way to forgive it's the only way to repeat uh, repeat repentance and it's the only, only, listen to me only way that I can engage in battle and turn the light on in this present darkness and let people see my light otherwise I will yell at them for being lost I will yell at them for being in the dark. I will yell at them 
And the reason I do is because while I'm yelling at them, I'm gnawing off me. I'm gnawing it away from you, away from my spouse, away from my children, and away from God. Because I'm ultimately embarrassed that I'm stuck. Can I tell you what's so cool about God? He's not scared of that. Not only that, he loves to rescue his people. I think this makes the Bible make sense where it says those who sinned much loved much. My translation, those who knew they were stuck were desperate to surrender and walk with God every day. And so the opportunity that we have is to forgive and repeat repentance and escape the trap and engage in battle and walk free. And if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. So look at me. I don't know you, some of you. I know some of you, but I don't know this part about you. Because you know what? I can trick you, look at my face, every day. I can make you believe that things are good. And only Leah and my closest friends really know. But you know what? I don't care to impress you. I don't care if you think I'm crazy. I don't care if you dislike a pastor that tells the truth of where he's at, not tells it like it is the truth. I just want you to have the opportunity to walk in freedom. And for some of you, that means for the very first time you say, Jesus, I've tried everything, but I want to surrender my life to you. I want to give my heart and life to you because I'm tired and I need a way of escape. And it's not escape Spartanburg County where you're at right now. It's escape you. Did you hear what I just said? It's escape you. Because the person that I need escape from the most is not the devil, it's Mark Haston Pangle. Because I am the one that looks for the trap. And so if you'll just bow your head just for a second, I just want to know in this room, who's desperate for God to help them right where they are? And for you, this would be the very first time you've said, Jesus, I'm not messing around. I'm not saying a prayer. I'm not going through emotion. I want to surrender my heart and life to Jesus right now, Mark. Whether you're watching online or you're in this room, I just want you to raise your hand right where you sit. We had three, I think, in the first service, and I believe there's more right now. I just want to know, who is it in this room that would say, Mark, that's me. That's me. I need Jesus to rescue me. I'm going to give you just a couple seconds. If that's you, just slip your hand up and put it right back down. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Who else? I don't believe God saves your hand. I'm just being real with you. I believe he saves your heart. So whether you raise your hand or not, I believe the most important thing is that you call out to God and ask him to save you. So everybody stand with me. The band's up here with me. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to just ask the Lord right now. Whether you're saved or not, I want you to just confess this to the Lord. But we need you to rescue us. So repeat after me, if you will, everybody in the room. Lord Jesus, I'm running, I'm tired, and I need you. Today, I believe you are who you said you are. You died on the cross for my sin. And you rose on the third day. And God... Because of that, you gave me the right to be your child. I give you my heart. I change it with yours. And today, I am your child.
In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together in this place. Hey, listen, we're going to transition right now. And I know of at least one person getting baptized. If anybody else is getting baptized, I just want you to slip out the back and we can help you. And you can either change clothes or if you're already changed, at the end of this song, we'll do baptism. But this is what I want you to know. I just want you to make this song your declaration and understand it's not by your power, it's not by your might, it's not by your hard works, it's not by how awesome you are or how much you don't like you. It's by His Spirit that you get to walk in freedom. It's by His hope, it's by His might, and you can do it. And the reason I believe in you is not because I believe you're so talented that you don't have to face this, but inside of who you are and that God-sized potential, God has placed inside of you in the person of His Spirit There's an untapped resource that wants to come out, but it only happens if you're free. So y'all just lift your hands up with me as we sing this song and just, just sing to the Lord this new song.